0: Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host, Cody Kitchen, sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and joined with me, as always, is our pastor, Dr. John Hall.
1: Good afternoon, everyone.
0: We are continuing our series in Luke, and we're in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32, with the title of the message, The Savior's Love for the Lost, part three. So as you prepared this message, what are some things that came to mind, John?
1: Two things. Number one, that it only took us three weeks to get through chapter 15. (laughs) So I know everyone is encouraged by that. And the second thing most obvious to me was what to do with the older brother. Hmm. He's a problem. He's a problem. He posed a problem for me. What do you do with that character in the story? And what was the result of the father's conversation with the brother, the older brother? We have no idea. Jesus concludes the, the parable after that conversation. There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to And it, it it posed a lot of problems for me personally. I'm not really a fan of the older brother because I see too much of myself in the older
0: brother. I think we all do.
1: Yeah, for sure. I hope not, but that was for me what was foremost when I was like, I've never. That's been the problem for that I've had through the years in preaching the parable of the prodigal son is I don't know what to do with the older older brother. If it were up to me, I'd just leapfrog it. <laughs> but there it is. So you have no choice when you preach through a book of the Bible. You can't just, you know, pick and choose. <laughs> Whatever's next is next. Yep. So that was, that's what went through my
0: head. All right. Well, we appreciate that you're that kind of preacher. Yeah. <laughs> you don't skip over. The <laughs> right. I thought you did a good job with the older brother. No thanks. But and and you gave us a, kind of a slight view into. As you say, the most complex parable with multiple situations, multiple characters, and the responses of each character and what each character represents. And you start with giving some key initial details in verse 11 through 19. And you tell us that this certain man had two sons, a younger son who demands his share of the father's inheritance before the death of his father. And you even said in your sermon on Sunday, you kind of told us the importance of how in that culture that you didn't get the inheritance, let alone the younger son, um, before they died. And so, and then you, you talk that it gets war, he gets it and he wastes it all and he ends up having nothing. He recognizes how bad he has it. I even, and I love this part of the text where even he describes that he was eating worse than the pigs. And <laughs> I just, it's interesting that that's what he focused on and, um, he ends up having nothing, and he recognizes how bad it has that he has it and comes to his senses. And when he comes to his senses, he returns to his father, and he confesses his wrongdoings to his father. And you make the point to emphasize how customarily the inheritance would not have been given until the father had died. But the younger son requests it early, and not only does he request it, he gets it. So my question is, does the giving the son his an his inheritance early and him squandering it have any relation to us as humans who are given salvation, even though we do not deserve it?
1: Good question. My answer is perhaps, <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> we,
1: we should ask the question out of that question, do we steward well the grace we've been shown? Hmm. And salvation is such a gift and we would never want to intentionally, purposefully, deliberately squander away the gift of grace we've received from God through Christ. So we all ought to be asking ourselves the question, do we steward well the grace we have been shown? Hmm. And we don't want to be like the younger brother who takes this incredible gift. And why the Father gave him that is I don't know. That's another problem for me in the text. We have no idea why the Father did that. Why did he do that? I don't know. And and I even said that in the sermon. I don't have the first clue. The text doesn't tell us. But what we can seek to search out in our own hearts is, how how well do I steward the grace I've been shown? Am am I a good steward of my salvation? That's 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 a really personal question that we each should ask of ourselves: Am I being a good steward of God's grace in my life? So I think, it, yes, to answer your question, perhaps yes. a Certain some obviously there's relevance there. Sure. And, and we should be exploratory of our hearts. You know, am I am I squandering the grace I've been shown? Am I squandering my grace? that's been given to me by God through Christ, and I'm still living like I was before I received His grace, which I'm not supposed to do. Right? Do I have grace and I have the relationship with the Father like the younger son, but I'm out living my own, not wild, but am I just living my own life without any awareness appreciation or intention of being a good steward
0: of grace that's good
1: we're probably all on that bus (laughs)
0: that's it's it's a hard concept at least for Mm. me to think about because i think of even how bold you have to be especially as a younger because i relate to him because i'm the younger right younger son of how bold you have to be to ask your father hey, you're not dead yet, but I want your inheritance. <laughs> right. And I want it so that I can squander it on loose living, as right. you said in the text. And so it's just, I guess that's why I asked that question, because it's just interesting to me that not only the boldness of the young son, but even the just the grace-giving father who's like, sure, yeah. who probably knew what he was going to do with it. I would, and this is just a parable, so I'm not trying to take it out of context. Right. but. That's just interesting to me, and I think, as you said, I think highlighting the going back to a personal um, question of how, what are we doing with with the grace that we're shown? I think that's perfect that our salvation is so intimate to us. And as you even said this morning at Rut, that it's mm-hmm. a salvation that we're given, and we're supposed to be transformed, a mm-hmm. new life. It's not just seeing Lord uh, Jesus as our Savior, but also as our Lord. And mm-hmm. so, I think it's a good evaluation. For our lives as you said to to see that as are we squandering the grace that we've been given are we stewarding it well yeah good um yeah i wonder if sometimes we see both our
1: both the younger brother and the older brother in ourselves Mm. i don't know which i am more of i'm i'm the oldest so maybe i I gravitate to the older brother and i tend to be a rule follower (laughs) you know if you if you weren't supposed to ask for your inheritance before your father died then in my mind I'm like I'm not doing that right <laughs> so the audacity of the younger son like you're pointing out to go to his father and say I want my portion of the inheritance but more baffling to me is the the father giving him the inheritance I don't understand that fully but you know sometimes does does God allow us to move ahead knowing full well what we're about to do is going to be a disaster? <laughs> yeah. And the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. I mean, there are things God allows, permits us to do, though he's going to have to clean that up.
0: Mm. So interesting mm. to me. And probably a, an answer we'll never get here on the <laughs> side of earth for sure. Yeah. But it, and it you continue with the parable in verse twenty through twenty four, where the father sees his son is an overjoyed, and you said this on on Sunday, and I agree with you that this is probably the best uh, verse that we can get in Scripture of just the joy that we see that the father has, and it's interesting you say that the father had been looking and longing for the return of his son, and I again I know this is just a parable, but you can imagine, especially if you're a father and you have a son or a daughter even who's gone away just the hope of them coming back and so you can imagine this father waiting for his son to come back and almost doing it in a way he knew he was going to come back just didn't know when and so you say that he saw sees his prodigal son a long way off he feels compassion for his son and he ran and embraced him and kissed him and I thought it was interesting and maybe I'm the only one that you pointed out that this is the only part in scripture where God, you see God running. And that's interesting. And even someone in our PBJ group brought the point of even a Jewish man running and how culturally that that's um, different. And so I, I find that really interesting. And you tell us that we can see from scripture that God has been and continues to seek to save sinners. And he rejoices when one repents and comes to faith. So much so we see from this parable that the father gets the best things and throws a celebration for his son. So why should this truth of God seeking us and rejoicing in our salvation make us so grateful?
1: Well, obviously we're sinners. That's the biggest reason. We've, no, we've done nothing to merit any favor with God on our own. And if God didn't seek after us, we're doomed. We don't seek after him. He seeks after us. And I think the other thing... Two, that verse 20 is so personally moving for me is the, the father's demonstrable love for his wayward son. No lecture, no I told you so, no busting his chops. What have you done? Why'd you do this, you foolish boy? None of that. I mean, none of it. Just the ultimate demonstration of welcoming him back into this relationship that existed prior and is being restored. So I, I love the Father in this in this parable and what it represents, who it represents. Um, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my earthly father. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not complaining, and I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. I, that's not why I'm saying that, because God was pleased and faithful to put great men in my life in, in various seasons of my life that really functioned for me like father figures. I, I'm so blessed. And I always, always enjoyed and appreciated what it was like when I hadn't seen those men in a while and we got back together, just how they would embrace me and you know, tell me they're proud of me and you know, encourage and love and do what a father does. So I always find verse 20 very, it's very moving to me. And I just see, being a father myself, I know how much I enjoy, I mean, I give my kids fits, but how much I enjoy when they come home after they've been away for a while and what that reunion is like and how special it is and how you delight in the return of your kids. So I can't imagine the magnitude of this father's joy knowing full well his son was out reckoning his life and not knowing for sure if he would return or when. And in my mind I see him out there every day looking over the horizon, wondering if it's today the day my son comes home. Is today the day. They didn't have texting, no email, no phones, no way for the son to communicate, coming home today, Dad. Right. So I, I don't know, I just I think it's it's crucial because it really shows that God by nature is a savior and that salvation is of him, and no one delights more in the repentance of a wayward sinner than God himself. I think it's so powerful, because Jesus said in the other two parables, heaven, the angels, and then this one, no mention of that, just God. Yeah. The Father ran to him, embraced him, kissed him. It's powerful to me.
0: It's very powerful. Yeah. And it's, I know we said this this last, the first point, but it's so hard to comprehend. At least from a human perspective of truly that f- feeling, but even just the one who is, is saved, if even why why me, mm-hmm. why we even get to be a part of that, I don't will never fully understand. Mm-hmm. But that you know, also that God acted like that with me. Yes, <laughs> that I was wayward as well, and mm-hmm. that He even was thought of me and chose me is, is something I don't know if I fully ever understand. As I guess we should don't have to understand yeah,
1: but particularly when you add in the component that the son just wanted to come back hoping his dad would hire him on. Right. And the dad receives him as an honored guest, welcoming him back as the son, not the not no, you're not gonna be a hired you're my son. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the most gracious thing. And now, I think it's important to point out the Son did repent.
0: Yes, that is a
1: good point. And repentance is so important in our relationship with the Father. That's good. There has to be a, a brokenness over our sins because we grieve God and we offend His holiness. We you know, we just terrorize His holiness in the sense of offending Him so grievously by our wrongdoing. So I appreciate the son even rehearsed here's what I'm going to say
0: yeah.
1: how many times have you come to God and you've thought about what you want to say to him before you enter into a time of prayer I, I need to tell him I'm sorry for my sin that I've hurt his feelings, wounded him and probably offended him maybe even angered him by my sin and what we get is the response of the father yeah. we have a great God he's, yeah. he's indescribably good and mm-hmm faithful, and I'm amazed that if we will confess our sins, He will forgive us of all unrighteousness. It's incredible, First John one nine.
0: Yeah, and if I may not to, I think it fits in. I just have been thinking a lot, and I even had a conversation about this earlier. It's just, you know, people always see the loving side of God, and especially in the New Testament, mm-hmm. you know, where we see the love, and the, which it is, and we, we get to see that. But I think what a lot of people miss and especially in, in when we get into stories like this is we, we're able to receive that love because of the wrath that that Jesus took for our our, our part. And that, that's something as I say that I, I it's something that I forget all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that we, we we think about the love of God and we're like, Yes, we get to be a part of it, but it came at a cost and a cost that we'll never fully know. Yeah. And that feeling, and in Revelation, we're told that He's going to come back with a sword, and and so God's going to get His vengeance isn't the right word, and that's not what. I, but He's going to get what He rightfully deserves. And I just think we miss too many times, and I'm the first to admit that I miss it a lot. Is that we're able to receive this kind of love because of the wrath that we deserve mm-hmm. that, that Jesus took. And, yeah, it's a great point. Um, uh, I, I'll say another
1: thing. Along those lines that I think sometimes it's just good to be reminded. I prefer the gentle reminder. Yes. uh, That I have what I have because of what someone else did for me. So good. Man, I – and that's exponential as it relates to my relationship with God the Father. I have that because of Christ the Son, who he is, what he did. And then you just – you look at every layer of your life, you have something – because of what someone else did, whether you know about it or not. And my life is, I'm the ultimate beneficiary of others. What they've done for me has allowed me to have what I have. I, I praise God for that. I, you know, and I hope that, hope that is something we are all paying forward, you know, doing something for someone else. They have something because you did something for them. And really expecting nothing in return for it, you just, you're just happy to do it. Absolutely. But all that to say, you know, I have what I have with God because of what Christ did. And you're absolutely right to point out if Christ had not bore God's wrath because his holiness demanded it to be poured out on sin, and Christ took that wrath for us. Whew, what a Savior. Absolutely. Yeah, no wonder we should serve and praise him. Absolutely,
0: And as we've already said that, you know, we we never know what to do with the older son. And so we're here in (laughs) verse 25 and we see this unusual turn of events in 25 through 32. And before I continue, I think as we say every time we do the podcast, there's so much within this sermon that we don't really touch in this podcast just because of time. And so I encourage you all to go watch the sermon if you have not, just because there's so much that we're not talking about again just because of time but man this even the intricacies of of who the older son is and as you even said on sunday the older son did not share the same rejoicing as his father and you tell us that he failed to see his own sinfulness and need for repentance and he hated that the father had shown forgiveness to the son which is mind-boggling to me but i think obviously we see that It's true, and it's happened. And in this parable, it, it obviously happened. And you go on to say that there are people today that have forgotten the joy and blessing of being saved and have become a lot like the older son. And you even encouraged us to go back to the memory of us being saved and what that felt like. And at least for me, it was encouraging to remember that feeling that I can't really explain and um, even hearing other people's at PBJ, their stories of being saved and what it was like. It's like, man, it's refreshing to mm-hmm. know and to just be remembered of that. And you then tell us that we must be a body of people, and I love this part, who love the lost. This challenge that we have to be a body, a church body that loves the lost. And not only that, but we must be a body that rejoices when the lost is found. So, my question, and this might be an obvious answer, but. I think it's an important reminder is how dangerous is it for the church to have this attitude for the lost people who are found?
1: Right. Well, obviously, it's very dangerous, and we would always want to guard against having such an attitude and disposition of the heart. We, we, the, the truth is, I thought about you know when I read your question, you know, we're, we're, the truth is we are owed nothing, but we receive everything. And so I, I want for you, and I want for people who are part of our church that I know personally, I want for them the same joy that I have as a result of the salvation that's been given me through christ i, I don't I don't want to be in a place where I would begrudge that for someone. That, that wouldn't be something you'd <laughs> want to develop in your in your heart and life. So, of course not. We don't want that in the church, and I think there should always be the very opposite in the life of the church, a, an unbridled joy over the repentance hmm. of sinners or even over the repentance of people who are saved, but they drift. They make poor choices. They they do things that hurt themselves or others, and when that moment comes, they, they arrive at, man, I really messed up here and they find their way back to the body of Christ, it can't be a folding of the arms and a wagging of the finger and a tongue lashing. It has to be like the Father. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to think that if I so royally messed up my life, I would like to think that one place I would surely be welcomed back would be in the church. That's for sure. And... I don't know. <laughs> that may not be the case all the time mm. in our churches. I'm not singling out Field Street by any means, but I would hope if I if I stubbed my toe so poorly that that if I repented and acknowledged my sin and asked for the forgiveness of, of God and His people, that I'd be received back. Mm. That's, That's important good. for all of us to hear.
0: That is important. Yeah. You know, and I just even thinking again, we're leaving a lot out from this podcast and I just I just think of and you alluded this on Sunday of just the father's reaction to not only the son, the younger son, but even the older son. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we miss out on his reaction he still said, Hey like, come join mm-hmm. come join me obviously not in these words, but come right. join me, come join the party. Mm-hmm and it was the son's choice the older son's choice to to not partake in in yeah. that and i think it's just interesting how we see the father on both ends of the care that he has for the lost at the same time the the urging the you know the correcting of hey come celebrate with us you still what what i have is still yours mm-hmm. this isn't but you need to come partake and so i just i just think about even sometimes we have those older brother moments as the father still is wanting us to partake in everything that he has for Mm -hmm. us it's not a they get something better than you do Mm -hmm. stop being so selfish Mm -hmm. and come and partake and i think for me it's just such a great reminder that and we talked about this last week that as the church as christ's children we have a we have a, a goal or a, a mission he's given us a mission to go and to be the church and so I think we still need to be that in obedience and he gently reminds us sometimes even though we deserve a big old mm-hmm. behind you know, spank on the behind he still mm-hmm. lovingly says no you have a mission now come join me mm-hmm. and so
1: yes yeah, good um I, I think it's interesting the older father addresses the son you know my child You haven't lost anything. Mm -hmm. Everything I have is yours. We had to rejoice. Your brother made a royal mess of his life, and he's come to his senses repentant. It's only normal and natural we should receive him back. But I get where the older son's coming from. I mean, how would you like to sit across? One lady said to me after the service, how would you like to sit across the table from that guy? (laughs) Knowing you've been faithful and you've been been marching in step. You're the obedient son, blah, blah, blah. He set a across on the guy that just blew through that portion of his dad's wealth. Yeah, you might be a little irritated. Sure. I mean, I, I can relate. I, mean, I get it. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting. It may, not, it may not even matter when we get there, but maybe that's one of those questions we pose to the Lord. You know, why would you end the story there? Or maybe when we get to heaven, we see Christ. It ain't gonna
0: matter. <laughs> right.
1: I'm, at least I'm there. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah, happy to get in. <laughs> of course I don't want to leave anybody the impression I get in because of something I did. Yeah, I'm right. just grateful he saved me. Absolutely. Why right. he did, I don't know. Yeah. I'm glad he did.
0: Absolutely. Well, John, give us some final thoughts.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy to get into chapter sixteen <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, Lord willing. I think everybody's going to love that message. They're going to be begging for chapter 15 (laughs) after we get into 16. I'm telling you that the texts are getting more and more complicated and complex in this portion of Luke. And I'm I'm preaching a sermon Sunday entitled You're Fired, and it speaks to the issue of stewardship. You know, Are we managing what we've been given well, or are Mm -hmm. we not? And we're accountable because it all belongs to Him anyway. There could very well be a a consensus among the church, hey, could we go back to the lost sheep, lost coin, and the lost son? Mm. So brace yourself. Bring your big boy chin strap and helmet.
0: (laughs) You know, we've talked a lot about about how we would love to meet Paul one day. And I think not that I'd still love to meet Paul, but Luke's becoming a guy that, man, (laughs) I just want to know. (laughs) (laughs) Luke's
1: kept me up at (laughs) night. I bet he has, <laughs> yeah. for sure. He's such a a very meticulous writer, yeah. both in Acts and and his gospel is extraordinary. That's very much I'd so. like to hang around with Mark because I think, you know, Mark could get you somewhere pretty quick. Luke's okay. probably a guy that's just going <laughs> to take you all over the place. Yeah. You know, like. He's probably one of those guys you ask a question and <laughs> in mid sent you know, mid-answer. You're like, "Man, I'm sorry I asked." <laughs> Whereas Mark, so he might get a one or two-word answer.
0: <laughs> that's funny. We all know those people. So
1: anyway, that's my final thought. That's Stay right. tuned, folks. You'll love Luke 16. Good deal. Well,
0: as always, the anticipated part. We know this is why y'all listen. Y'all don't have to lie. That's right. But let's let's come to the that stupid segment, John. What
1: do we got? Well, thank you, Cody. Um, in talking about what we wanted to put before the good listeners of of this podcast, we want to make a return by popular demand back to the subject of the NFL. <laughs> so the NFL stands for the National Football League, and um, we've been noticing lately that there's been some promotions, some advertisements during a lot of the you know the high-profile uh, pro games that are broadcast. I've, primarily on Sunday because I don't get to watch it on the other nights. But now the new urgency, now the new messaging is, yes, we want you to bet on the games, <laughs> but you need to bet responsibly. <laughs> this is what we call an oxymoron. Who comes up with this stuff? And then it's right in line with their – the cousin of bet responsibly, which is also drink responsibly. (laughs) So we want you to both drink responsibly and bet responsibly during the same game. Together. Together. (laughs) The NFL is killing it, man. I mean, they're making an obscene amount of money. Bet responsibly and drink responsibly. Only in the NFL. Only in the NFL. Only in the NFL.
0: That's stupid. That is stupid. And they don't tell you that they want
1: you to drink first and then bet responsibly, <laughs> yeah. which can't happen. Which,
0: how can you bet
1: responsibly if you're not drinking responsibly? <laughs> so, I appreciate they're very conscientious about the welfare of their of their audience. And, man, they know their audience. Yes, they're, they do. They, they, they're the master class of knowing your audience and how to message your audience. So, people, that's just... It's insanity. It is it's so stupid. Here, here's here's my advice: don't bet at all. <laughs> don't bet at all. Don't listen to me. Don't bet at all. Read my lips. Don't bet at all. Keep your money. You work too hard for it. Don't blow it on the NFL.
0: It's all rigged anyway. It's true. That's stupid. And it's really stupid because they're all laughing. Just like what we're laughing right now, they're they laughing. Are. They're, they're laughing all the way to the bank. And their lawyers are just saying, just make sure you say responsibly. you got to say responsibly. We're not
1: responsible for you destroying your financial life because we told you. Yeah, bet responsibly. Weird. Anyway, well, a lot of stupid stuff going on in the world today.
0: If you bet on the NFL and we offended you, just always remember you can message M. Pearson at FieldStreet.com. Or,
1: or, Jerry <laughs> or Jerry M. at FieldStreet.com.
0: Okay, well guys, we're, as always, just so thankful for all our listeners. And we're so happy that you joined us today and ask that as we end this session, as always, remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Have a great week. Yep. Thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at infofieldstreet.com. At Thanks for tuning in.